0: There's nothing like that feeling when you have misplaced your phone. Has anyone ever felt that panic? (laughs) I I don't know. I mean, it's just that thought of everything I have is on that thing or your keys. It's just when you have that, suddenly you've got this rush of adrenaline, this little thing of fear that surges up in you because you're thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do without my phone? The other day when Facebook went down for nine hours, I think the country almost shut down. And uh, there was just this surge of panic that went through the social media world, which is most people. And, And so we all know what that feeling is like to lose something. But nothing compares to the feeling of losing a child. And when... We were living in Southern California. Our oldest daughter, Alicia, followed us out there. She met a guy. They ended up getting married. It wasn't one that we were excited about, just to be frank, because of just the whole circumstance around it. But she got married. And here we were, but then we moved back to Texas to plant a church and to do outreach for uh, the school where I went to college. And we were going to do a church that was kind of a college church, and we did, and this thing was blowing and going. We were having a great time. But then our daughter, her and her husband split up, and then she disappeared. Thanksgiving rolled around. The Christmas holidays rolled around. New Years rolled around and no word. She was somewhere in Southern California. We began to do what any parent does. You frantically begin to reach out. You're calling our friends. You're calling acquaintances. You're calling other family members. Just seeing if we missed something or where she's at. And the only thing that we had and we ended up with was a phone number and with this phone number every time we would call the phone number again we were in central texas they were in southern california we would get an answering machine with a voice on it and it was some lady's voice that we didn't know and then you know we would leave a message and nothing and this happened over and over and over one thing about your phone, you can ping it nowadays. I mean, you can literally, it has a location service on it where if you lose it, you can at least find out who stole it or where it ended up. I mean, it's, it's off somewhere, but, but you can at least identify where it's at or in proximity. But with a child who doesn't want to be found and who's broken and shattered and crushed and embarrassed and humiliated, they can hide pretty well. Finally, we were praying and we did what, what you would do. We, we got our church family around us. They begin to pray for us and begin to call Alicia by name and, and pray for her. And one lady in our church even had a dream about her and, and even saw her in the dream and described her, and she'd never seen her before in person, and she described her perfectly. And so it gave us that surge of hope that maybe God's up to something. Maybe God's working. And then we continued to make the calls, and then one day I walk into the living room of our of our little parsonage where we were, and I told Annette, I said, This doesn't happen often to me, but I feel like God literally just... I heard a call now. And so Annette had the number. I went and got the number from Annette. I dialed the phone, punched in the numbers, and she answered. This was the first time in months we'd had any contact. The first thing out of my mouth was, don't hang up. We don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter. Just... Don't hang up. Stay on the line. And it was silent for a moment, and then I could hear her breath breaking up because she had begun to cry. I just began to tell her, let me tell you something, Alicia, we love you. It doesn't matter what's happened. It doesn't matter how bad it is. It doesn't matter what you've done or what your ex. or It doesn't matter. None of that matters. We... Love you. Can we come get you? Two days later, Annette and a friend of ours from the church jump in a van and drive all the way to Southern California, to Temecula, California, and pick up our oldest daughter, who is thin and emaciated and humiliated and embarrassed. What I didn't know until after that is that when I called she had been crying out to God and she had been asking the Lord for a sign and she told God, if I don't get a sign, I'm ending my life. She had been rummaging through the medicine cabinet of the house she was staying in looking for pills and she was going to end her life. And the only reason she answered the phone is that she saw the caller ID and she had just asked God for a sign. And it was in that very moment that I dialed the phone. Don't tell me God doesn't know your number. Don't tell me God doesn't know where you are and can find you in the, in the wildest way. That His grace is so overwhelming and so powerful. He will seek you out in the middle of your darkest moment of your darkest day. Because he loves you that much. You don't have to like the fact that he loves you. You don't have to like the fact that he's forgiven you. In fact, some seem to not. But let me tell you something. Make no mistake. You are loved. You are covered. And he is crazy about you. We brought her home. And what we found out through, in, in the, even in the middle of that phone call when Annette was talking to her is that she also was pregnant and not with her husband's baby so what do you do well you do what any parent would do you love them what else would you do we committed to radically love her radically grace her radically mercy her radically do whatever it took for two things to get her healthy and position her back under the canopy of God's grace that she thought she had outrun We bring her back home, and we set her up with a bedroom. And then we were in the process of adopting a child, and literally, literally in the midst of that, the little girl that we were gonna adopt the child from, the phone went silent on her end. I finally got the little girl's dad, and it turned out they had changed their mind. They were gonna keep the baby, but they had not called or let us know. So the sonogram we had of what we thought was our child, came off the refrigerator. And in our disappointment, in our, in our grief, I don't know if you've ever been through anything like that before, but we had already emotionally bonded with that child. We were already praying for that child. We were already speaking life, and we were already having dreams of what it was going to be like to have a newborn in the house. And we had fixed the room up. The room was ready. The nursery was ready. And we get the news they've changed their mind. My running joke was my daughter can spit out kids like a Pez dispenser and we can't even get a child through adoption. Sometimes you got to laugh in the midst of your mess. She comes home, she gets better. She immediately, it's like taking a coal that's fallen off of a pile of coals and it goes out. But then when you take that coal and stick it back, y'all remember charcoal, right? You stick it back on top of a pile of charcoal and then it comes to life again and begins to glow hot again. The same thing happened. As soon as she got back in our world, in our culture, in our life, in our family, she just came alive again. And we see her. It was, it was almost instantaneous supernatural healing. On every level, things just healed, healed, healed. And she was healthy again. She was vibrant again. And she started serving in the church and running everything because she's built that way and amazing. And, and she was helping us and things started to click. And she came to us and her b- little bump was getting bigger. And she came to Annette one day and she said, I was up all night wrestling, praying, crying and asking God, why can I not bond with this child? And she said, the Lord told me because the child is not for you. It's for your mom and Jimmy. So she came to us and she said, would you adopt this baby? Legally adopt this baby and raise it as your own because the Lord showed me and told me that this baby's for you. Now, mind you, we're just a few weeks on the heels of losing this other child. And I was like, Alicia, don't tease, please. Because we, we can't take another disappointment. You ever been there in your life? Where you just feel like you can't take another one? Can't take another hit? Can't take another shot? Can't take another disappointment? And she said, no. And so we did it. We walked through the process. That was 18 years ago. And Rachel Faith Pruitt came into the world and surprised us, and she's been surprising us ever since. And you're going to get to meet Alicia because Alicia, my son, she lives in Nashville. My son Chris, he's a pastor in Houston at City Life Church, and Rachel Faith Pruitt, our youngest, will all be here on the stage in May. We're going to do a little family series, and we're, gonna all, we're giving everyone a microphone. I'm a little nervous, not going to lie. And we're going to allow you to text in questions in real time. We'll have a number up there where you can ask questions. And we're going to do what we do. We show up and throw up, basically. And as a family, the message is going to be called Putting the Fun in Dysfunctional. And we're going to show you and talk to you about how God can redeem our messes and bring hope. Why? Because His grace is enough. Today we're talking about grace. We're talking about grace because we're talking about overflow. We're in week nine. Here's the bottom line. We already talked about what we need to empty ourselves up, and now we're in this place of being filled. And then next week we're going to be start talking about what overflow looks like. But right now, we're saying this, that in order, to, in order to leak out grace, you've got to be full of it. In order to extend it, you've got to know what you have. And so today is about grace. In fact, it's about what's so amazing about grace remember the first time i heard amazing grace in its entirety was in a southern baptist church because we sang every stanza of every song we did in that church including just i am nine stanzas no kidding And so I learned those songs, but I didn't grow up in church, so as a young person coming into a church, all these songs were new, and the music sounded to me very archaic. You have to understand, had I been filling out a job application, I would have checked on the religious preference, none, because I didn't grow up in church like some of you did. So songs like Amazing Grace, which we take for granted, or you do maybe, I didn't because I'd never, I didn't know that song. So I learned the song, didn't like the tune, but the words, wow, captured my heart. And from the very beginning, I understood the simple truth, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, For by grace are you saved, through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. I understood grace from the beginning. So that song became amazing to me. I eventually picked up on the tune and liked it. Now when I sing it, I cry like a baby. Oh, I love that song. But it took a while. But here's the deal. Today, what's so amazing about grace? We're going to look at grace in various categories. I want to share a quote from Brennan Manning, one of my favorite writers. I read his book many years ago. We were in Southern California at the time, and somebody gave me a copy of the book, The Signature of Jesus. What you may not know about Brennan Manning, he was a Jesuit priest of the Catholic Church, and he was a closet alcoholic. Now, in a crowd this size, we're dealing with any number of recovering some that are in it, some that are looking back on it going, I'm so glad I got through that and God is good. But the reality of it is, in a group this size, we have folks that are hiding out in some addictions. Right? Just the truth. So Brennan was hiding out as a Jesuit priest with a deep, deep alcoholism. I mean, like, bad. And so what happened, he went away to do a time of solitude. He was in a cave And Jesus, this is a Jesuit priest saying this, Jesus supernaturally appeared to him in that cave in silence after he'd been in there for several days. And And he describes it in this way. He says, I was miraculously and supernaturally baptized, overwhelmed, and covered by the presence of Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And his life was radically changed. And that man came out of that cave, he also came out of the Jesuit priesthood, he got married, had a family, and he went on the circuit speaking, and he wrote a little book that you may have heard called The Ragamuffin Gospel. You may have heard of Rich Mullins and the Ragamuffin Band back in the day. Well, they named their band after Rich's book because that book so transformed and impacted their lives. And so, Brennan Manning... Passed away in 2013, but his writings continue to impact me today. And he says this My trust in God flows out of the experience of His loving me day in and day out. Whether the day is stormy or fair, whether I'm sick or in good health, whether I'm in a state of grace or disgrace, He comes to me where I live and loves me as I am. All is grace. Focus on the last two sentences. He comes to me where I live and loves me as I am. All is grace. What I want to do is unpack a little bit about grace because sometimes we have this idea that grace is like one-dimensional. In fact, if you ask a lot of church folk and religious folk who've grown up in church, hey, what is grace? What's your definition of grace? The most common answer you'll get is unmerited favor. And you know what? That's true, but that's only one of many dimensions of grace. And the Bible actually has grace expressed in many dimensions and in many ways. It's multifaceted, much like a jewel, like a diamond. It's got facets that make up the whole. And so I want to unpack that just a little bit because I don't want you to live the rest of your life thinking grace is just a get-out-of-sin-free card. It's much, much more so is it unmerited favor? Yes. On one dimension, yes. But it's so, so much more. So I want to give you a couple of things. First of all, Jesus is a dispenser of grace. Wherever Jesus showed up, grace leaked out of him. Why? Because he was full of grace. And because he was full of grace and full of truth, those things leaked out of him simultaneously. If you've been around me for five minutes, you've heard me say this expression, we leak out what we're full of. I'm telling you, five minutes, you're going to get it. We leak out what we're full of. Jesus was full of grace and truth. And guess what? He leaked it out everywhere he went. We're going to look at one account in a moment. John 1, 14. The Word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I like to say it this way. He put on an earth suit and moved into the neighborhood. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Be careful that you don't make the mistake of putting grace on one end of the teeter-totter and truth on the other end of the teeter-totter, and somehow there's a fulcrum in the middle, and they just sort of balance each other out, and they're on opposite extremes. They're not. They're linked with the Greek word chi, which is the word and, and it actually ties the two thoughts together. So they're absolutely in Inseparable. Repent and be baptized. Repent, Kai, and be baptized. They're inseparable. When you repent and turn to the Lord, you get baptized. That's what you do. They're inseparable. And He has given some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teacher, pastor teachers tied together. Same thing, same idea. These words are tied together and they're inseparable. You cannot have grace without truth, and you cannot have truth without grace. So be careful you don't set up in your mind a false idea that one is, that a truth person's hardcore in your face. They're probably prophetic. They're just like black and white. That's all there is. And then a grace guy's just swinging in a hammock on a spring day. He's just nice. Everybody's happy. Woo, every day's Friday. That's not the idea at all. In fact, that's a misnomer according to Scripture. They're actually linked together. You don't get one without the other. Jesus was full of grace and truth, and he leaked it everywhere he went. A working definition of grace. I did a deep dive years ago. By the way, I was a grace guy before grace was trendy and cool theological words theological constructs and concepts they go and they follow waves and cycles if you've been around long enough you'll see things rise you'll see them fall something will come into vogue and then it'll go out it's not a bad thing it just is it's the an ebb and flow of what we do but grace has come in and out many times and right now it's on a real high thing and we think it's just to get out us in free card but listen to this Grace is this, when you deep dive the true definition out of the Greek, it's the Greek word charis, and it's this, P-S-A-F. I've said this in here before, but I'm going to keep saying it. By the time I get tired saying it, you're going to start getting it, so I'm going to keep saying it. Grace is God's power, God's strength, God's ability, and there's the favor piece, and God's favor to do what we cannot in and of ourselves do. P-S-A-F. A-F. God's power, God's strength, God's ability, God's favor to do what we cannot in and of ourselves do. That is grace. Grace is not passive, it's powerful. And we'll see that in just a moment. Listen to the scripture. When the apostles, remember James and John went to the gate called Beautiful, and there was a lame man begging for alms, and Peter's amazing. He's just like nonchalantly goes, hey, I don't have any money, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. He grabs him by the hand and yanks him up. How I many you know that takes faith right there? Yanks him up. Two miracles happen. First of all, his ankles are healed immediately and miraculously. Second of all, the man stands upright. Think about it. Man was lame from birth. How would he even stand if he didn't have balance? Come on. You've got to think sometimes these miracles are bigger than we think. He stands, and now he's standing for the first time and seeing life from a whole new viewpoint. A new perspective. That's what Jesus does. He shows up and he heals our perspective to where we now see life through a lens we've never seen it before. I don't know where you come from, but I didn't come from church. And when Jesus came into my life... And busted up into my business he literally changed my viewpoint I went metaphorically speaking from being the lame guy at the gate to someone standing upright and seeing the world from a whole new set of eyes that's what Jesus does in your life and the world looks different because he's in it and he's in you so that's exactly what happened look what happens with great power With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and there it is, great power, strength, ability, and favor was upon them all. Great grace. So, men, this isn't swinging in a hammock on a spring day. This is the power of God being exhibited supernaturally in real time with real people. That's grace. So don't relegate grace to that nice, soft word in the Bible. It's actually a powerful word. Jesus was full of grace. Do you think Jesus needed unmerited favor? No, he was perfect. But he needed grace. He needed power. Here's another one. My professor, Dr. Frankie Rainey, one of my favorite human beings, he told us this. In our Greek class, he often said things that we would say, wait, forget the Greek, stay on that, because that's, that's a life game changer. And he gave us the, a working, a little definition of grace. G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. And, and I just, I broke it down. Grace means we get everything God has in and through Jesus, yet Jesus has already paid the tab. Hey, freeze! good, Amen. When he says, this is a gift that I'm giving to you, I'm giving you my power, I'm giving you my strength, I'm giving you my ability, and I'm giving you my favor. Remember last week when I said, I'm not a Hittite, I'm not a Perizzite, I'm not an Amorite, I am God's favorite. I know, it's a stretch, but I like it. I'm a favorite. Why? Why? Because he's my daddy, he's my Abba Father, and I'm his son, and you're his daughters and his sons. Guess what that makes you favorites. Amen. To This is what Jesus said on the cross when he said, I just took care of everything. And here's why this gift is free. To telesti. It is finished. It also means paid in full. The debt is canceled. I'm telling you, it's a massive relief when you have a bill and you get a, a letter in the mail that has paid in full on it and a zero balance and you didn't pay it. How many of you know that's a lot more fun than the one you paid? I like getting them cleared anyway, but I'm telling you, when it's one that you've been forgiven, that's grace, that's powerful. John 19, 30, Jesus on the cross, when he had received the drink, Jesus said, done. It is finished, paid in full, the debt is canceled. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus canceled the debt of your sin and mine. You know what that means? He paid a debt he didn't owe. That's my Jesus. He paid the debt that I owed because of my sin, the penalty of my sin. He paid it for me. That is is grace. The one that is full of grace and truth just keeps leaking out. So here it is. Grace comes in many forms. We're going to look at something, and I just put the little title up here, Not Perfect. We met a precious, precious lady uh, who waited on our table. We were out on town just having fun with friends, and she said, I want to come to your church. We didn't invite. We just said, wonderful. It's great. Love for you to come. Give me your ticket and I'll write the times down, which I did. And, and I gave it to her and she said, she said, I want to come. I said, well, wait, I need to ask you something. She goes, what? And I said, are you perfect? a little look of horror on her face. She goes, no. I said, good, you can come to our church. And then I told her we have an invisible sign in our church. It's right there on that wall. And it says no perfect people allowed. Does that make anybody feel a teeny bit better today? And I'm sorry, don't leave, don't, don't leave, because if you go to the bathroom right now, we'll all think you think you're perfect. So just sit on it for a little bit. Hang on. You don't want us to think that, oh, they think they're perfect. You're just going to the bathroom. No worries. All right, Luke chapter 7, listen to this. Jesus demonstrating grace in the context of judgment, condemnation, failure, and shame. Boy, I think we could all relate to some of those terms. Luke 7 says this. One of the Pharisees, his name was Simon, who was a leper, by the way. So he had his own flaws and yet he was this religious leader asked Jesus to eat with him and he went into the Pharisees' house and reclined at a table. You have to understand in that day they didn't sit in chairs around a table. you got to get your mind around this. They actually, the tables were low to the ground and they would recline. They would lean on one arm and they would recline. I guess it was so they could just get a better scrape action into their mouth. I don't know. Kind of liking that idea sometimes. But whatever reason, that's how they ate. So if you were to look at the t- Table, and you were getting a, an above shot, you'd see all their feet sticking out, and they're up at the table just enjoying the food. And so he's there with the Pharisee and others in this home, but he wasn't there out of kindness because we'll see there's great disrespect and dishonor that happens here. And look what happens. So let's follow the story. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, I've got it in, in uh, parentheses for you, she was a prostitute. When she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment. First of all, if you're a woman, you don't go into a Pharisee's house. If you're a prostitute slash sinner, you really don't go into a Pharisee's house. But she was so compelled to be in the presence of Jesus and demonstrate an extravagant act of worship and sacrifice that she was willing to walk into the den, the lion's den, so to speak, to get to her Jesus look what happens. Verse 38, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping. Get the picture. She's already standing in a place she shouldn't be. You can imagine the disdain that that sinner, that known sinner would walk into my home. She's standing there weeping she began to wet his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Can someone say awkward? Think about what's going on. Put yourself in the real time, in the real place. Don't think a story. This isn't a flannel graph. This is a real people, a real situation, and this real, very broken person who the world would write off as trash Is standing in this religious leader's home, weeping over Jesus, taking her hair, her hair, and wiping his dirty feet. They walked everywhere, they wore sandals, their feet were filthy. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, and before I go any further, first of all, the reason why she washed his feet and wiped them with her own hair is that his host neglected to do so. It was a commonality in a greeting in a Jewish home that when you entered into a Jewish home, you would be given by the host a basin of water whereby you would wash your feet because they were dirty. And then you would dry your feet off and you would put an ointment, a perfume on your feet so that you would smell good. It's a way of freshening up and it was an act of hospitality. And this guy neglected to do any of that. Why? Because he didn't really want to be with Jesus. He wanted to try to trip him up. He didn't honor him. He didn't respect him. He actually disrespected him. And in that moment of disrespect, the high-ranking Pharisee Disrespects and a prostitute comes in and gives ultimate honor with her own tears her own hair If that makes you squeamish and uncomfortable good it should Because the move of the kingdom The life of the kingdom is not clean. It's not neat. It's not tidy Remember Aslan is on the move and he's not a safe lion, but he's good But he is not safe. So this is anything but safe. So the Pharisee, when he invited him, him saw this, he said to himself, remember, he's saying to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is and who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Can you hear the contempt in his thoughts? Remember, he's thinking. So Jesus and Jesus answering. Whoa, wait a minute. He just thought it and Jesus out loud answers. He's a prophet, right? <laughs> he knows what's going on. Simon, I have something to say to you. And he answered, "Say it, teacher." A certain money lender had two debtors. One who owed 500 denarii, that is 20 months of salary. 20 months, nearly 2 years. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. That's 2 months. That's a very short amount of time. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. There's a picture of grace. Canceling the debt, to Telestai it is finished. Now, which of them will love him more? Simple question. Simon answered, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. Now, listen to Jesus. And he, Jesus, said to him, you have judged rightly. Then, turning toward the woman, he said to Simon. Now, he brings her into the conversation because she is now a picture of what he's looking for. Do you see this woman? I entered your house, you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You know what she's learning how to do is the very thing I desire for our church and that is learning how to host the presence of Jesus with her own sacrifice. She's hosting him. Verse 45, you gave me no kiss. Now don't get freaked out here. But the Jewish culture, if you meet somebody, a Jewish person, they're going to kiss you on either cheek. If you're from West Texas, just, just suck it up and just go with it. It was hard for me. We went to Europe and I was getting kissed by dudes. I was like, oh, okay, all right, yes, I'm in Europe. Okay, do it. Just, all right, get it over with. I mean, this is hard. I'm not going to lie. I just, I just, that's the way I grew up. And uh, you know, those are fighting words in my time. So this is a whole different deal. It's a different culture. You gave me no kiss because that was the Jewish greeting on each cheek. But from the time I came in, she's not ceased to kiss my feet. You see what she's doing here? She's extravagant. She's going above and beyond. It is over the top. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. In other words, you don't really appreciate this at all. Because you love little. And he said to her, your sins are... Are forgiven. Then those who were at table with him began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Jesus did. Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. We were living in Nashville, Tennessee. We were part of a great church. It was vibrant. The worship was crazy. And we were just. In, in hog heaven. I mean, we just, I was a kid in a candy store as a, as a musician. So we were loving our church, having a blast. But there was this one girl, when we first went, there was this one girl on the worship team who was way over the top. Y'all know know the kind I'm talking about, right? She's just way in, all in, so much that I felt awkward just worshiping because she was, like, totally in. I mean, like, animated, alive, and way more than everybody else up there. And they were pretty animated. This is a vibrant church, but she was, like, scary. I mean, she scared me. I was like, what's wrong with her? Is she trying to get attention? And you know what I did, being the respectable, godly pastor I am? I judged her, so judged her. <laughs> I did. It was awkward for me. It was distracting. She was like out there. And I, we'd been at the church a few weeks, and I think we made a comment to somebody in one of our life groups about, boy, that girl in the worship team, she's really all in, isn't she? I mean, I don't know why. It just bothered us. You know, we talk about stuff that bothers us. Shouldn't we talk more about the stuff that blesses us? I wish we'd spend more time with that. So, I'm just being transparent. So, we, Annette and I were like, yeah, that's kind of awkward, you know. Then we heard her story. Deanna was raised Muslim in Jordan. She was raised in a Muslim culture, strict Muslim culture, by strict Muslim family, in a strict Muslim community, in a strict Muslim nation. There was no way the gospel was going to get to her through a person. So one night, as she's crying out in depression and wanting to kill herself and end her life because that life was not a good life, it was a hard life, a violent life, she was crying out to Allah and Jesus shows up in her room. Now, I don't know if you've read anything about Jesus showing up into Muslims' rooms, but it's happening a lot around the world right now. It just—it makes our missions endeavors look really weak, I'm just saying. He's just deciding, I'm going to bypass you because you're not getting it done. I've got to get, get to this girl. He shows up in Deanna's room, and there's an encounter with the living Lord, and her life is radically changed. So in her joy, delight, and shock and awe, she goes to share the good news with her parents. Who immediately ostrify, kick her out of her home, ostracize her, the, the community ostracizes her, and now her life is in danger. She gets to the States. She gets rescued in a sense. She gets to the States meets a great guy Comes to Nashville where by the way a lot of refugees from Muslim nations end up in Nashville It's kind of the center of the United States. It's a real there's a lot of strong communities there and Eastern communities She ends up in Nashville meets a guy. He's on staff at the church. We're at and she is a brilliant singer. She's got a phenomenal voice But let me tell you something about Deanna. She knows who saved her life. She knows her Jesus. And when she gets up to lead worship, you better just fasten your seatbelts, brace yourself, you're going on a ride. Because this former Muslim... Knows what she has in Jesus Christ. And now she participates in reaching Muslim refugees that are coming into Nashville by the droves. So she heads up outreaches and she's all the time on films and doing interviews and because she knows. I remember hearing that story and weeping in my own shame because I judged her without knowing her story. Do you think this prostitute had a story? I guarantee you, if I was to sit and talk with you, every one of you have a story. And it's not all clean. It's not all pretty. And it it is... Yours is racked with twists and turns and highs and lows and victories and failures, kind of like the old ABC Wide World of Sports, the agony of defeat. We've all been that guy spinning off the ski thing. Remember that? Spinning off that ski jump, crashing and burning. The agony of defeat. But when you get around somebody who's really set free and they know what they're set free from, you can't, they're unstoppable. So now, when I, after that, whenever we'd see Deanna lead worship, we got excited. Oh, Deanna's on the worship team. It's going to be crazy today. Because we, when we knew her story, we realized she's just celebrating. She's just full of gratitude. But you know what it also did for me? It made me ask the question, why am I not celebrating? Why am I passive in my worship? Do, am I not thankful? Am I just using the excuse, well, I'm just not wired that way. That's just not my personality. Since when did personality factor into worship ever in the Bible? just something to think about. As we land the plane, I just want to highlight our, our last points. Grace is God's power, strength, ability, and favor to do what you cannot do in and of yourself. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. We must freely give the grace we ourselves require. Have you been given a lot of grace? Am I the only dude who needs a ton every day? That means I have a responsibility to give it away every day. Here's what's cool about grace. You can't outgive God. The more you give it away, the more it comes in. Isn't that amazing? It just he just backfills it as soon as you get it out there. It's just coming in. You can't outgive God. And the last one. When we embrace God's grace, the result will be a fruitful, powerful, I use the word adventurous, that's being nice. It's actually a very unsafe life. Aslan the lion. If you ever saw Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe or I actually read the book, which I didn't, but the movie was awesome. Aslan is on the move. God is on the move. Question is, do we want to move with him? Do we want to go where he goes and be with him? And then I love what Mr. Beaver says. Safe? <laughs> oh, he's not a safe lion, but he's good. And I want you to know that today. There's no shame in this game here. That sign may be invisible, but it is very real. There are no perfect people allowed here. And that's because Jesus surrounded himself with imperfect people. That is who his heart was after. That means he's after you and me. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for truth and grace together. So powerful. Thank you that we are your favorites as sons and daughters. Father, continue to teach us as we walk on this journey how to host your presence like this precious, as the Pharisee called her, sinner, but as this precious woman honored Jesus held him up, esteemed him, and gave the ultimate sacrifice of her own tears, hair, her own pride, her own vanity was all laid down at the foot of Jesus, the feet of Jesus. May we lay our lives down at the feet of Jesus in like manner. I pray for my friends here that Lord, we will leave this place so filled, so postured to receive your grace that we'll give it out as fast as it's coming in. In Jesus' name, we love you and we honor you. And everyone said, amen. Go with grace and go lead grace this week. God bless you.